Hello everyone, this is Art Gelwix, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Being Productive. Since we're all about being efficient and effective at work and at home, let's get started. So in this episode, I want to talk about tasks. You know, those nasty little things that fill up our to-do lists and wind up taking up lots of pages in our bullet journals? Well, I've been thinking about tasks quite a bit as of late. And one of the things that occurred to me is often we fail to account for the type of a task in conjunction with the fact that the task needs doing. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. And in thinking about it, I identified off the top of my head nine different types of tasks that we have to take into consideration when we're doing our planning. First, there are quick tasks. Now, these are the tasks that can be completed just as quickly as you can capture them. Commonly, though, these are often confused with another task type I'll talk about later on, called urgent tasks. Most important though with a quick task is not so much tracking the fact that it needs to be done, but rather tracking the fact that it was done. As I said earlier, these are often tasks that don't take very long to do. But what's important to keep in mind is that you're doing them. And the fact that you're doing them consumes time and effort and resources. See, there's not a lot of planning ahead that comes to a quick, comes around a quick task, but they can impact those tasks that have a lot of planning ahead. So it's really important that you record the fact that you did these quick tasks so that when you sit down later on, you can look over your list of things that you've accomplished and know that these little things can add up to quite a bit. Now, the second type of task are the actionable at any time tasks. These are tasks that wind up on your to-do list. They need to be done, but there's no clear timetable for when they need to be accomplished. Uh, Something, for example, like ordering a new case for my phone. It doesn't compel a specific schedule for the task but it does recognize there is a consequence for failing to complete the task. In this case, the consequence is I don't have a case for my phone. Therefore, if I drop my phone, my phone breaks. These are the types of tasks that can really cause the log jams on your task listing. They keep getting added to the list, but since they don't have a defined end date, they may have no sense of urgency to come off the list and you can keep pushing them back and letting other tasks fill in the place of them. Scheduled tasks, these are ones that we're fairly common and pretty much familiar with. These are the tasks that have to occur by a specific date, and sometimes at a specific time. Scheduled tasks have a clearly defined date for completion, and there can be negative ramifications if the date is missed. What's important to understand with scheduled tasks is not only when is the task due, but what happens if that scheduled date is missed and how much time do you need before that scheduled date to successfully be able to complete that task. Now, keep in mind, 
also with a scheduled task, the closer you get to that end date, the higher its priority becomes as well. The next type of task is a recurring task. These are kind of like scheduled tasks on steroids. These are the standing tasks that occur on a regular repeating schedule. These are the tasks that never go away. You take out the trash on Friday. You pay the mortgage on the first of the month. Your anniversary is on the 23rd of every year in May. All of the, those things that happen far enough in advance that they need to be captured, but as well act as a reminder to you far enough in advance to still be actionable. This goes back to the schedule tax, tasks as well, because a recurring task, when it crosses that line into the actionable window, it now is a scheduled task. For example, I'll go to the anniversary one. You may decide that seven days before that anniversary date, you need to make sure that you get a present for that anniversary. Well, when you hit that seven-day window, that recurring task has now become a scheduled one with negative ramifications if you don't execute it. See, with recurring tasks, the biggest challenge is planning enough advance notice to be able to act on the task, but not so much that the task falls off your radar again. It's a balancing act. For example, if the recurring event is a birthday and you need enough time to buy the birthday card, but you don't want it so far out in advance that you fail to send the birthday card or you send it awkwardly too soon. And people are going, my birthday's in June. This is March. Thank you for the wishes, but it's not my birthday yet. These are also often what I refer to as part of larger tasks, what I call ramp tasks or multi-step tasks. A multi-step task is a task that involves a checklist or a sequence of actions prior to completion. It's not a singular task. There are several steps that have to happen before you consider the task as a whole complete. So, for example, the task tend to the yard, which may be on your to-do list for the coming weekend, is actually multiple tasks. Get out the garden tools, weed the flower beds, mow the lawn, water the grass, and so on. You can't really say that tend the yard is done until all those subtasks or checklist tasks are completed. Multi-step tasks can also be broken down into their individual tasks, but this can cause task list bloat. So if I take that example I gave you earlier, tend the yard, one of the tasks on that list is get out the garden tools. Well, if we look at the earlier definitions, that could qualify as a quick task. It's going to take as long to write it down as it is to go ahead and do it. But the fact that I did it is a compelling factor to be able to do the other tasks on the list. Breaking them down into their individual tasks also means that they have no order relationship, which may not necessarily be the case. Now, the tasks I listed earlier on tend the yard, which is weed the flower beds, mow the lawn, water the grass, they may not really have a time relationship, but 
in that example, two of them do. Mow the lawn and water the grass have a time relationship. You really don't want to water the grass before you mow the lawn. So in the project management space, this becomes the concept of what's called a finish to start relationship. These are tasks who you can't start the second task until you finish the first one. It's a requirement. And many multi-step tasks have these relationships between their component steps. When you're doing project management, this is on a much larger scale. You're creating a concept of task relationships that include the schedule of the tasks. So, for example, you introduce concepts such as not only start date and end date, but duration and work, which all combine together to determine the schedule for the, the larger scale project in this case. Planning and tracking multi-step tasks is not as far from removed from project management as, and it, and many of the components, when you think about these tasks, truly become parts of a small project. The project of tending the yard has its individual tasks with their relationships. Some can happen concurrently. So if you have more than one person helping you, one person may be raking the leaves while the other person's weeding the flower beds. They're part of that top-level task that has to happen, that top-level project. But they are concurrent tasks that roll up together. This gets into a lot more complexity, and these tasks, these individual tasks, can also share things such as schedule, urgency, and recurrence on their own. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably trying to find ways to be more productive. If so, there's a place for you called the Idea Pump. Now, there's hundreds of articles about productivity, tools, techniques, and strategies to improve your productivity, and they're all available for you on either the web or your mobile device. Stop over at theideapump.com and find some ideas on how you can do the right things at the right times in the right ways. Remember, it's theideapump.com. This starts getting us into another area of, of a type of a task where you have tasks for others. Now, these are the tasks that you're not personally responsible for delivering, but rather are responsible to make sure that others deliver on them. So, for example, assigning or transferring tasks to others does not absolve you of the responsibility of the task. If someone needs to, if you need to have someone create a summary report or a status report, you may assign them that task or ask them to do that for you. If they concur, they are now responsible for the execution of that task, but you are responsible to make sure that task gets executed. Now, this isn't an advising, I'm not trying to advise a micromanagement type of mindset, but rather getting you to understand that the role of facilitation is as critical as execution when it comes to tasks for others. Making sure that you're removing obstacles for them to successfully complete the task 
reflects as much on you as the task assigner as it does on them, the task assignee. Now we can flip this around and we can look at another type of task, the task from others. Now these are the ones that you get assigned to or agreed to from other people. These are the ones we're most familiar with in the workplace. These tasks also carry many of the more basic features such as urgency and recurrence, but they also include a either stated or unstated communication requirement when we think about how they get executed. So for example, if we talk about that status report earlier, if I am the person who has been assigned that status report, there is a communication expectation that I will let the assigner know when the report is finished and has been delivered, if there are any roadblocks to completing it, if there are any challenges, or if I'm going to be unable to meet that expectation. That is either a clearly defined and stated requirement of the deliverable and the task, or it's the unstated, assumed responsibility. It's the assumed ones that usually get us into trouble. What I recommend people do is these tasks from others, group them together, not only by the project you're working on or the other requirements, but have a way to group them together by the assigner so that when you are communicating to that assigner, you can streamline the process, and instead of communicating about each task individually, you can aggregate the communications together and be able to get more information to them in a more streamlined manner. This is where we get into urgent tasks. Urgent tasks, as the name says, these are the ones that take precedence over all other tasks you are currently working on. Whether it's something you missed, something that suddenly comes into play or something that has been assigned to you, a task from others that comes from a high enough ranked person that it's going to bump everything off of your plate and it has to take precedent. That is an urgent task. The challenge with urgent tasks are not so much the fact that they happen because there's no way to avoid them from happening but mitigating what they do to the rest of your system when they show up. How well can your system absorb that sudden disruption and then when it's completed, get you back on the right path? The analogy I use for this often is if you think about a car driving the, down the road and it hits a pothole, there are in a car shock absorbers that are designed to absorb that impact. So instead of jarring your bones and making your neck hurt and giving you a headache and shaking the car terribly, the shock absorbers cushion that impact and allow the car to continue on its path. There's still some disruption. You know you hit that pothole, but the wheels did not fall off the car. You have to look at your system when it comes to handling urgent tasks from the perspective of, does my system have good enough shock absorbers to be able to handle these disruptions. That may include concepts such as buffer time, time blocking, focus time, any number of different ways to handle 
that sense of urgency. But the trick is, is to make sure that when that urgent task is gone, you're able to step right back into the flow of your other tasks. The last one I want to talk about this episode is unfamiliar tasks. And you're probably wondering, well, wait, how can I plan for an unfamiliar task? Well, that's exactly the the question. How do you plan for and handle something that you've never done before? These can be tricky because in many cases, there is an instance where you will under plan for these tasks or you can over plan for them. There is no right or wrong reason. There's always a plus or minus 50% on your estimate of time and effort and work when it comes to something you've never done before. The critical thing with unfamiliar tasks are one, making sure that you are giving yourself time to understand that not only do you have to do the task, but you have to allot for time to be able to do the research and the planning and the education pieces necessary to execute that task. Second, capturing the details about that task is just as critical because now you have to be able to go through and capture how long did it take? What was the effort involved? What were the roadblocks? Did I have everything I needed? What was I missing that caused problems? So that the next time this task comes around, it's no longer an unfamiliar task. It's a familiar one, and you can better plan for it and compensate for it. See, when it comes to planning your task management and capturing a task, you have to know not only the information about what you are expected to do, but you need to know what type of task it is to address the unexpected aspects of the task. Understanding the task type helps you ask the right questions, and it determines the relationship between this task and other tasks. Now, in my next episode, I'm going to talk about the challenges and ways you can manage four of these specific task types. Urgent, recurring, tasks from others, and tasks for others. And I'm going to give you some strategies on how to handle those in your own system and help others handle them as well. Thanks for listening today. If you found this interesting and useful and you'd like to hear more, Make sure you subscribe to Being Productive on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you'd become a supporter of the show by using the link in the show notes. Also, please like and share this and other episodes so we can help as many people as possible in being productive. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.